All right. Let's try this one more time. This is Rockford Reading Daily, Episode 4. We are reading Have Black Lives Ever Mattered by Mamiya Abu-Jamal. And we're just going to read a passage and then dissect the passage, read a passage, dissect the passage. And again, just going to try to keep this to about 30 to 40 minutes. This is just something to put out on a daily basis with the understanding that we want to give everybody the opportunity to begin waging the revolution on a daily basis and give everybody the opportunity to further waging the revolution on a daily basis. So that's what these Rockford Reading Dailies are for. Public servants or paid predators. February 27th, 2000. Uh, that chalk in the, in the black bin if you need it. <clears throat> the trial of those charged in the slaughter of an unarmed West African man, Amadou Diallo, has ended in the predictable acquittal of his killers, four white cops. When is a killing not a killing? Apparently, when the homicide is perpetrated by police. When police kill, it is an accident, a, quote, mistake, end quote, and, quote, oops, end quote. Let us examine how the police achieved this judicial sleight of hand. As soon as the case arose, the legal forces defending the state fled the very area that the police claimed to be, quote, serving, end quote. Why is it okay to enforce the law in a given neighborhood, yet automatically wrong to have citizens of that same neighborhood? We outside. Sorry about that. We outside, y'all. Why is it okay to enforce the law in a given neighborhood, yet automatically wrong to have citizens of that same neighborhood try to enforce, as jurors, some of that same law when it comes to these, quote, particular public servants, end quote. In New York City in recent months, black and Latino men have been shot for having keys, candy bars, wallets in their hands. This deadly reign of, quote, accidents, end quote, is an official expression of Negrophobic oppression, and it can only escalate after this unholy acquittal of the four killer cops from the Bronx. When the case began, the police immediately opted for a bench trial before a judge, not a jury. When an African-American jurist was selected, they put in a change of venue motion that put them on the first thing smoking to Albany in upstate white bread, New York. So much for the, quote, community, end quote, that they, quote, serve, end quote. The service that the state delivers is death. What of the recent case of the young Hasidic Jew Gadon Bush, who was cornered by four cops in Borough Park, Brooklyn? Police snuffed Bush's flame by shooting him 12 times outside of his home. Immediately, New York's mayor, Rudolph Giuliani, and police commissioner, Howard Safir, attacked the dead youth and painted him as a, quote, fanatic, end quote, whose shooting was, quote, justified, end quote. Key to their justification was their claim that police needed lethal force to protect themselves from the Jewish man who, quote, attacked, end quote, an officer with a hammer. Despite the fact that eyewitnesses uniformly disputed this claim, three months after the August 1999 homicide, a grand jury exonerated all four cops and pronounced the killing, quote, justified, end quote. Welcome to the Terror Dome. The vile and violent attacks on black and Puerto Rican people in the nation's capital cannot long be limited to communities of color. Consciousness does not obey the laws of geography. Repression, 
like toxic mustard gas, seeks the lowest level. A conservative, pro-Giuliani, orthodox Jewish community is still, essentially, a Jewish community. And the social forces that truly run New York regard them as a minority, another flavor of difference. Get this page turned, my fault. Bush's life, like Diallo's life, was deemed expendable. Both men were executed twice, once at home and then in the court system, where their lives, families, and communities were subordinated to the armed authority of the state. According to published reports, one resident of Borough Park told a black reporter, quote, Yesterday, I believed that when the police would shoot down a black man, they had a reason. Now I realize that the police can be animals and they have the power to cover it up at all costs. The next time a black man gets shot, I'm marching with you. Let us hope that that really happens so that a vast movement can be built. And that brings us to the end of that passage. And as we have been doing with the previous passages, we just want to do a, a small reflection. And so when we reflect on uh, those pages that we just read, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, Faustin Guaitigo, who was also an African immigrant who was murdered here in Winnebago County on April 10th, 2021 by Winnebago County Sheriff Deputy Joseph Brulard. Uh, Winnebago County Sheriff Deputy Joseph Brulard uh, used to his advantage a uh, language barrier uh, and uh, deceptively retrieved the keys from the wife of Faustin Guaitigo. Uh, he entered the home of Faustin Guaitigo along with uh, basically a, a suicide squadron of uh, police officers uh, who did not have any intention of de-escalating the situation, who did not have any intention of trying to protect and serve uh uh, Faustin Guaitigo or even Faustin Guaitigo's uh, wife uh, and, and child and family who was near on the scene who will be forever traumatized by the things that they experienced. And instead of doing what is supposed to be in the guidelines of their job, which is bringing Faustin Guaitigo in in one piece unharmed to jail and allowing him to deal with the criminal justice system that's been put in place, these officers became judge, jury, and executioner and entered into Faustin Guaitigo's home and murdered him. The same way Amadou Diallo was murdered in New York in uh 2000 uh and so uh and then when they bring when they draw the connection to the hasidic jew uh jewish community in new york having somebody who was a member of their community being murdered by the police department and though and that murder being ruled justified uh again uh, and, and, and making the connection that it wasn't simply just being black that allowed you to become a victim of police terrorism. It was existing in the society makes it so that these this type of oppression, this type of exploitation, this type of degradation, dehumanization cannot just be uh, confined to just one community or to just one group uh, for decade after decade after decade. Eventually it trickles over and it and it uh, and it has residual effects onto other communities. And that's the same thing here. After Faustin Guaitigo was murdered an African Immigrant. The next day, 24 hours later, uh, a 19-year-old Mexican was shot, Jose Gonzalez Jr. Uh, and I think that, uh, uh, again, and I hope I'm using the proper uh, terminology. I don't want to use, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Latino, 19-year-old Latino would be a, a better uh, phrase to use there. Excuse me. Uh, but again, to just point out the fact that this issue uh, 
overlaps different communities, overlaps different uh, 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 sets of people. And so that connection that they made there just makes me think about some of the connections that uh, victims of police terrorism have here. Uh, and the same thing, we watched both of those cases, what happened to Faustin Guaytigo when he was murdered and what happened to Jose Gonzalez Jr. when he was uh, shot while running away. Both of those things were ruled to be justified uh, by the Winnebago County State's Attorney and by the Winnebago Boone Integrity Task Force. And those police officers went back to work and there was no justice given to those families. Those families had to... Uh, uh, watch their and uh, experience their loved ones be uh, criminalized after being victimized, which is uh, a form of being kicked while you're down or adding injury to insult. Okay, let's continue. <clears throat> Cincinnati fires, April 17th, 2001. Quote, the government is only as lasting as your understanding of administration. The army is nothing without people. The Air Force is grounded without your endorsement. The ships of the Navy could never have sailed if your leaders didn't have you sell them. And the brutal depravity of police would be non-existent if you didn't wear the uniform. End quote. John Africa. After Cincinnati, police shot and killed an unarmed black teenager, Timothy Thomas. Excuse me. After Cincinnati police shot and killed an unarmed black teenager, Timothy Thomas, black rage exploded in the Ohio city, igniting several nights of fire, rebellion, and pain. Like many of the race riots that rocked the nation in the 1960s, the precipitating event in Cincinnati was an act of brutality and violence by police against black folks. Police violence against blacks has sparked indignation and rebellion from coast to coast, costing hundreds of millions of dollars in destroyed property and hundreds of lost lives. Much time has passed since the tumultuous 1960s, and in the intervening years, we have seen the emergence of a black political class. But we have also seen the further impoverishment of black families in inner cities, projects, and ghettos, as communities of colors have become more desolate, more isolated, and more hopeless than they were in the 60s. We have seen the explosion of the prison industrial complex at rates that would have been unthinkable in the 1970s, with upwards of 2 million men, women, and juveniles caged in American jails and prisons. The United States, with only 5% of the world's population, has 25% of the world's prison population. And for too many young black men and women, the horror of incarceration has become a perverse rite of passage, marking one's transition from youth to adulthood. So, while things have gotten better for some African Americans since the 1960s, things have gotten demonstrably worse for millions of other poorer blacks. As their economy is constantly pressured to further enrich those who are already wealthy, public schools, never quite outstanding in the first place, have gone into decline. City services have been diminished. Industries, loyal only to profit, have gone elsewhere, leaving many cities with less employment and with the remaining jobs offering less salary and fewer benefits, while costs have gone up. Cincinnati's riots, sparked by the police shootings of an unarmed black teen, could have happened anywhere in America. Chronic social neglect and sense of disposability fester in cities across the country. Instead of increased education, solidarity, and support, communities of color get increased surveillance 
increased stop and frisks, increased traffic pullovers, and increased militarization of police forces that target the life and liberty of people of color. In many of these cities, black people hold public office, but too often function in the role of keeping the restless natives in check, keeping them suffering in silence. The Cincinnati riots represent the eruption of youth who see clearly how the system regards them. Cincinnati is a harbinger of things to come. Cincinnati is the fire next time. I'm not sure how many people have read the book. Uh, this is me. Uh, this is, I'm, we finished it. That's the end of the passage, Cincinnati Fires. Uh, I'm not sure how many people have read the book, The Fire Next Time by uh, James Baldwin, but that is what Mamiya Abu-Jamal is referring to when he says Cincinnati is the fire next time, which is uh, a very, uh, very important piece of literature. Uh, hopefully at some point we can read that in the Rockford readings down here. Uh, but what I take away from the... That passage that we just read is uh, the similarities that the, that different cities have, the similarities that uh, these different communities of color uh, across the nation and across the country have, uh, these different things that have led to uh, the same, these same oppressive and exploitative uh, experiences being had by so many different groups of people. Uh, and again, I, I think that... Uh, uh, a lot of these things sometimes can be seen as a, a review of things that we've read before or a repeat of things that we've read before or a new framing or phrasing of of uh, a, a thought or something like that from before. But I think that some of these things, when we get into the process of unlearning and relearning, we have to hear them over and over again. And we have to hear uh, about the different places and the different cities where uprisings have taken place. And so I think that's the other thing that uh, comes to mind is uh, – I don't think I've I'm, I, I may have read about the Cincinnati uprising uh, to no I, I haven't read about this specific Cincinnati uprising that he was talking about. Uh, but when you start to look and see how many different inner cities have had these type of civil up and not just inner cities, but cities in general in this country throughout these the last 60 years specifically have had these different uprisings. How many times they have been centered around an act of a macroaggression of police terrorism or mass incarceration or racial injustice. Uh, it just lets you know that these are the straws being added to the camel's back. And so when people when something like. Uh, uh, Ferguson takes place when something like what happened in Minneapolis after George Floyd was murdered takes place uh, when something like what happened on May 30th in Rockford takes place it's important that we can articulate to people that it is not some uh, uh, random act happening it is not some uh, uh, event coming out of nowhere or some, some spontaneous uprising taking place. There are things that have happened to the society. Uh, that, there are things that the society have done to communities and people and individuals and families of color for uh, hundreds upon hundreds of years. And when these uprisings take place, it is a manifestation of those things. It is those issues coming to the forefront. Uh, and until this uh, country does right by these communities, till this country does right uh, by these people, uh, these families, these these areas, uh, we will they will continue to be dormant at sometimes uh, and and to explode at other times. Uh, let's continue reading. Aiding and abetting, quote, bombing him, end quote, the FBI, May 28th, 2001. The civil rights movement of the 1950s and 1960s left several powerful images burned into the minds of millions of Americans. 
Those images are so deeply seared into the national consciousness that places name work as a kind of mental snapshot better than Polaroids. That place names work as a kind of mental shot better than Polaroids. For those of a certain age in America, the mere mention of the name Birmingham evokes a dark shadow from history. It evokes the Alabama of virulent hatred of water hoses unleashed on children, hitting with the force of a sledgehammer, of snarling police dogs biting at youngsters, of burning crosses, of firebomb churches. The specter of Birmingham arose again recently when an elderly Ku Klux Klansman, Thomas Blanton Jr., was convicted for his role in the infamous terrorist bombings of the 16th Street Baptist Church there in 1963, where four little black girls, Denise McNair, Addie Mae Collins, Carol Robertson, and Cynthia Wesley, were murdered and others were maimed and wounded. While the media and government have praised the prosecution of Blanton, the real question is, why did it take so long? It took so long because of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI. In American myth, the FBI of Hoover's day was pro In American myth, the FBI of Hoover's day was projected as the best of the best. Its members were squeaky clean, grown-up versions of the Boy Scouts. The movie Mississippi Burning paints them as true blue heroes, knights of the realm who work for freedom, justice, and vanilla ice cream. In truth, the FBI played a pivotal role in the civil rights movement, but not the one reflected in the movies. For the better part of 40 years, the FBI held secret tapes, which were finally released for his recent trial, Blanton and other KKK members confessing to bombings and other acts of violence. The FBI also had a deep cover informant in the KKK, Gary Thomas Rowe, who participated in a number of bombings and other violent crimes for which he was never prosecuted. The FBI was too busy, it seems, investigating, harassing, framing, and, quote, neutralizing, end quote, black leaders such as Martin Luther King Jr. and Sr. and Malcolm X and groups like the NAACP, CORE, SNCC, the Black Muslims, the SCLC, the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, and a host of others. If you still have any illusions about the role of the FBI during that historic period, consider the observations of American scholar Howard Zinn, who was teaching at the time at the historically black Spelman College in Atlanta. Several of his students were active in the movement, and Zen often showed his solidarity by accompanying them in demonstrations. When SNCC members Chico Niblett and Avery Williams went to the county courthouse to feed and assist those trying to register to vote, they were beaten, knocked to the ground, assaulted with cattle prods, and jailed by local police. Across from the courthouse was the federal building. That federal building, writes Zinn, quote, also housed the local FBI. Two FBI agents were out on the street taking notes. Two representatives of the Justice Department Civil Rights Division were also there. We were all watching the arrest of two men for standing on federal property urging people to register to vote. I turned to one of the Justice Department lawyers. I said, don't you think the federal law has just been violated? The justice man said, yes, I suppose so. I said, are you going to do something about that? He said, Washington is not interested. Washington was also not interested in the four little girls who were dressed in their Sunday best when they were blown to bits in their community church.
Washington's inaction protected the racist white terrorists, not the lives, security, and dignity of the black children, their families, and the congregation. For to do otherwise would be to violate the status quo regarding the nation's racial caste system and its relation to state power. The FBI's secret tapes evidencing Blanton's role in the terrorist attacks are real-life X-Files. And that brings us to the end of that passage. Uh, I'm not sure how many people uh, know about the the Birmingham bombings, uh, the 16th Street Church, uh, but I think that that's a a very important story to uh, understand and to know to or it's a very important story to know, to understand uh, the history of uh, the black struggle in America, the civil rights struggle in America, of the struggle for freedoms in America. I think it, it, uh, it paints a, a, a horrible picture, but a vivid picture of just the depravity of white supremacy, of racism, of, and how institutions protect individuals and how institutions uh, create atmospheres that lead to individuals uh, committing acts and uh, it's a documentary entitled four little girls that was that's on hbo that is if anybody has hbo max or is, uh, has hbo on cable i would recommend watching four little girls or if you can watch it on youtube or something like that uh and they it, the documentary does a perfect job of illustrating the lives of these four young black girls who were killed. And uh, again, they were killed after uh, the protest that went on in 1963. Uh, they were killed after uh, the uh, uh, the struggle had in some forms believed to have been won. Uh, there was. Uh, and, and again, one of the things that I think about as I hear this, instead of just re- saying what went on, let me tell you some of the thoughts I have. Uh, uh, one of the things I think about is the constant specter of violence that exists over black people. From the moment that a black child is brought onto this earth, there is a specter of violence that hangs over their head, whether they uh, are a, a boy or a girl, no matter what age they are, no matter if they're rich, if they are poor, uh, what society, they're, uh, what community that they live in, uh, this specter of violence reigns over their head or lingers over their head. Uh, and at any point in time, being black in the wrong place in the wrong time can cost them their life. Uh, and then not only can it cost you your life, uh, but also these institutions that other people believe to be, uh, that other people or other groups may believe that they can go to for help or that they can go to for assistance. Historically, we have seen we have never been able to go to them. We as a community, as a black community and communities of color in general, have had to go to institutions that are also inflicting oppression and also inflicting exploitation upon our communities. Uh, uh, and, And so it's just uh, that's some of the thoughts that I have as we go through and read that. And, and we've read about the FBI a little bit in, in one of these other passages when Mia Abu-Jamal had. Uh, and again, Malcolm X, it's a lot of people. I remember growing up in, uh, on the movie, the mov- Malcolm X movie, you see uh, Malcolm X be shot and killed. And when he's shot and killed, he's shot and killed by, uh, uh, by black people. Uh, but one of the things that you don't, get a, a great illustration of in the movie is that the FBI uh, are the re- are set, sent those black people in there. The FBI uh, uh, orchestrated this plot to kill Malcolm X. Uh, the same thing has been found out from Martin Luther King Jr. where the FBI knew that this assassination attempt was going to be uh, uh, taken on Martin Luther King Jr. and allowed these things to play out. Uh, and so 
uh, again, this is these are these are the 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 institutions that black people are are uh, forced to go to when they are uh, try to look for justice because of the way these systems are set up in this society. And we've been going over the 30 minute mark, so I want to try to end us at the 30 minute mark here. I want to try to keep it in between 30 and 40. So we're going to try to keep it a little bit under this time. I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen. Uh, please share this on whatever platform you're listening to it on. If you haven't listened to the previous passages of Have Black Lives Ever Mattered by Mamiya Abu-Jamal, please go and listen to it. Uh, if you haven't listened to the Social Construct of Leslie podcast, which comes out on Sundays and Thursdays, please go listen to that. Uh, uh, Leader List by Ari Perez is a podcast from the uh, May 30th Alliance Podcast Network that has multiple episodes out. Please go listen to that and be on the lookout. Uh, for a live from Occupy City Hall podcast episodes to begin to come out as well. Uh, so we're just going to keep the keep content flooded for people who want to be informed, for people who want to be aware. Uh, year two of the occupation of City Hall of Rockford, Illinois. We outside.